Someone once told me that the reality I thought I knew was just one of many. Be careful which path you travel down. Stronger than you have lost their way. You think there will be no consequences? We're in the end game now. I sacrificed everything. And it meant nothing. Oh, strange. What have you done? I never meant for this to happen. You cannot control everything. You brought this on yourself. You break the rules and become a hero. I do it and I become the enemy. This doesn't seem fair. Multiverse of Madness, rated PG-13. Be the first to see the mind-bending phenomena in premium large format and IMAX tomorrow. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 139th episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast. We discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse Image, and more. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your, I'm one of your hosts, DJ Nick, and of course, the movie today is a fantastic guest co-host who you have heard, of course, here before, and is my wonderful co-host on Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast, the one and only Rachel Friend. Hey, Rachel, how are you today? Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I've been sitting on like, you know, it's all, it's nice enough to be able to talk to people via chat, mm-hmm. but I haven't actually been able to out loud speak to anybody about this movie yet because I can't say anything because Chauncey hasn't seen it yet and I don't want to spoil him. So I've been just pretty much talking to myself out loud Aww. when I think of something. <laughs> So it's like, finally, I get to speak out loud about this movie. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. It's quite an honor because I know you often cover these movies on the five-ish fangles. So, you know, kind of cool that we get to, I have the- Oh, we the will eventually once we've all seen it, so. Right. No, I'm sure, of course. But uh, I'm really, it's really a pleasure to actually hear your thoughts fresh from the the theater, literally. So this is a very cool yes. indeed. <laughs> yeah, because today, guys, we are discussing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness from 2022, directed by Sam Raimi at his MCU debut. Of course, he had uh, directed the, uh, the Spider-Man films with uh, starring Tobey Maguire. And of course, the folks you probably know him from such things as the Evil Dead franchise, Army of Darkness, and more besides. This film was written by Michael Waldron, who was the creator and writer for Loki, while the music was by Danny Elfman. And of course, we don't have the returns yet, but what we do know is budget-wise, this film cost $27 million to make. So, Rachel, you, of course, start off here super, super excited and enthusiastic and stuff. So, what are your first impressions when it comes to this long-awaited sequel to the first Doctor Strange film? Oh, my God, it's so good. (laughs) I mean, I just... Anytime we get something new in the MCU, I'm always very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Doctor Strange is one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. He is the one Avenger I have left who's still alive <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the moment. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, just going into this, I was just like, 
you know, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect. You know, obviously I was also excited at the introduction of America Chavez as another one of our next generation Avengers to be. Um, and to see what Sam Raimi does with, you know, something in the MCU. So, because especially concerning he was not the first director tapped to to direct this you know he was a replacement Mm. and um from what i understand he wasn't necessarily that keen oh (laughs) to do another superhero movie after you know spider-man 3 got so panned thank you emo peter parker um (laughs) but uh but eventually he decided yeah sure I'll get it. yeah I'll, I'll give it a shot i'll give it the old college try um and uh i think he did a fabulous job but i i think this is right in his wheelhouse um because this really i mean this is an mcu movie but this is also a horror film um so you know if you're gonna do superhero horror um why not do the guy that did the evil dead you know because <laughs> it because it you know it's one thing to do horror it's another to do horror that still has heart to it and good acting and character because a lot of horror films especially like the slasher ones um there's this just you know this running thread that you know the actors you know they're very cheesy they can't really act um the kills are you know the longer franchise goes the more ridiculous they get to the point where it's like this isn't even believable uh (laughs) um but he he definitely he under uh, one of the videos that I uh, review videos I watched they summed it up perfectly. They understood the assignment. Mm. This is very true, very true for sure. So so you were I mean aside from the the, the Spider Man trilogy which you mentioned, were you familiar with other of Raimi's uh, films? I mean like the Evil Dead stuff or heck even something like Dark Man, which was a, and the the TV super the inverted comic superhero movie he did for TV at the time. I've never seen any of the, I've never sat down and watched any of the Evil Dead. I'm okay. familiar enough with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expected Bruce Campbell to pop up somewhere in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> As he does. Um, actually, the only Sam Raimi movie other than the, the, the Spider-Man trilogy that I've seen is I believe he directed um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yep, that's right. Yeah, so that's that's actually the only other thing I've seen. <laughs> but that's a great movie. As much as James Franco is James Franco, it's a good movie. And it's and it's weird. I mean, it, it's you know, you want weird, but you don't want like Tim Burton weird. Mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, I think, is kind of your guy. <laughs> I, I very much agree. I think he he's able to restrain himself to a certain extent. Granted, here probably he didn't restrain himself as much because I think they very much let him take the reins and do what he he does best. Because 
you know, I'm a big fan of, of Raimi's stuff, obviously the horror stuff, like you were mentioning the, the spy, well, at least Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 3 is a bit of a mess, but um, I really enjoyed it. I Just like you, I really enjoyed this one. I was a big fan, of, like yourself, of the uh, Scott Derrickson, uh, Doctor Strange. Grant, this is very different compared to that for the most part, because mm-hmm. I think he very much leans into the, the horror side or the darker side of Doctor Strange, which is perfect for this, and also for the other characters that we get. So I was so on board with this i couldn't wait and uh, the moment they had announced that sam raimi was attached to this i was like oh i know this is going to be good and plus you have the score by danny elfman who of course has worked with with sam in the past and is great at this kind of feel at these kind of films so i was i was on board 100 and just like you i really really enjoyed it for it was great like you said it had good you had the obviously the the fights and everything else we had a lot of heart and a lot of important moments which left me my jaw dropping quite a bit like yourself because i remember when you and i were speaking on messenger you were telling me still trying to almost get my jaw off the floor i was right Mm -hmm. right there with you i was like wow this is this is something because a lot happens Mm -hmm. in this so i uh i was very very happy indeed so Let's deeper dive into our movie, starting with our titular character, with, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, reprising his role as Dr. Stephen Strange. So what did you make of, uh, of our, should we say, one of our protagonists here, Rachel? What do you think of what Dr. Strange got to do in this film? Well, which one? <laughs> <laughs> Good. Should well we played. talk about all of them? Well played. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we have our Dr. Strange now, least in-universe designated Earth 616 Doctor Strange, which Mm -hmm. is where the MCU as we know it has taken place. Um, And um, obviously Stephen being one of the survivors of the snap, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the people that was snapped and then had to come back and deal with that um therefore losing his title of sorcerer supreme uh and wong taking it which <laughs> i love wong um which i think in a way steven i think is kind of okay not having the extra burden of being the sorcerer supreme it's hard enough being a master of the mystic arts he still has the eye of Agamotto, although the time stone is not within it we don't know where the time stone went once Steve Rogers returned it at the end of Endgame. Presumably, they have it someplace safe. Um, um, but um, you know, uh, if they ever got it back, I guess. I guess it depends on how you look at the timeline. Because that one, if Steve put it back, eventually would be the be the one that Stephen would give to Thanos, and then Thanos destroyed all those Infinity Stones. So maybe the Time Stone doesn't exist at all. Anyway, that's a whole other thing uh, that we'll have to worry about down the road, probably. Um, <laughs> either way, he still has the eye, which still has some magical properties, um, and obviously the cloak of levitation. That and he just has the. Um, reputation and uh seemingly everyone or at least a good number of people just outside of the like the avengers mm-hmm. common folk know that he was the reason that people got snapped and disappeared for five years in the first place which who's going around telling everybody that uh good point <laughs> like he just um you know so he gets 
confronted by one of the doctors from the hospital he used to work at at Christine's wedding, which I never expected that. Yeah, when we see the trailers, I was like, he is not marrying Christine. That's not happening. She's marrying somebody else. Um, which was totally the case, although she's apparently she's marrying an Avengers fanboy. Uh <laughs> um you know, get this doc, you know, this other this doctor from the hospital that's all like, yeah, I lost my cats and my brother. I like how he led with the cats. Like that was more important that he lost his cats because he disappeared for five years instead of his brother. I see where your priorities lie. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I get that the average person probably could not wrap fathom and wrap their head around the choice that steven had to make because it was hard enough for the avengers who would actually face down thanos Mm -hmm. to understand why he did what he did you know even tony was tony stark was right there on titan when steven gave up the time stone knowing that Stephen had looked at 14,605 possible outcomes and there's only one where they won and that required him to give up the time stone so um but still he has to live he just has to live with that decision um but obviously he's just trying to live his life do his duty as a sorcerer um and you know hope that i guess hope that the rest of humanity eventually learns how to move on as as well um but obviously as we see in the other universes uh you know the steven that we may meet at the very beginning of the movie with the ponytail um is um you know a version that seem you know seemingly is a a good guy up until the point where he betrays america um and gets to become zombie strange later which i totally love (laughs) i love that especially if you've you've seen what if and especially the zombie episode so should really say that there's spoilers for the entire mcu uh, not just this movie so um but i love that that connects to the the zombie universe of <laughs> what if um and the, the the makeup and stuff that they did was i'm sure some of that was cgi but a lot of it i'm sure was make practical makeup too and they did a fantastic job with zombie steven um and then um obviously the 838 steven we only see in the flashbacks um right after the defeat of thanos when the illuminati were able to defeat him um and that steven has been corrupted by the dark hole because you can see on his fingers have gone you know completely black um and we've got that variation the cloak is blue <laughs> so it's gonna be fun going to comic conventions to see how many variants of like everything uh because you know we had lots of loki we got the loki variants last year because of loki but now we've got you know variants of steven strange and oh it's gonna be so much fun um and then uh 
the other Steven that I uh, think everybody is unofficially nicknamed him Psycho Steven. <laughs> um who is completely corrupted by the dark hold um and again what if there's an episode there where stephen strange uh loses it um so and you know to see benedict play against himself and just have this just really evil psychotic corrupted you know dr strange who just does not give a crap anymore <laughs> he's like you know i tried to find the situation where i would be happy and i just never found it and look what's happened to my world it's collapsing in on itself oh you want the dark hold well too bad you're gonna have to fight me for it <laughs> Even after all of this, I'm still keeping it because the Darkhold, you know, it's a character in itself. It's it's a drug mm-hmm. in a way. The the power within it is extremely strong, but like some very dangerous drugs that are out there. I've never done drugs like that, so I can't speak from experience. But I imagine it's something, you know, like heroin, uh, you know, where you become addicted to it and the only way to feel normal is to give yourself more of it yeah and that's where that that steven has ended up to the point where his entire world is absolutely destroyed but he does not care he needs to he needs to continue the fix of that dark energy from the dark hold um and that has to be one of the best fights i have seen in a marvel movie in a while unique fights i mean yeah Obviously, we got a lot of knockdown, drag out fighting within the MCU. Um, but when the directors could do something unique, like the hallway fight in the very first season of Daredevil comes to mind, or the miniature train <laughs> set <laughs> fight in the first Ant Man. So to see the two Stevens fight each other with musical notes, so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. So Benedict just kills it. Um, you know, having to essentially take this character that he has been playing for six years off and on and this version that we've come to know so well and then have to jump into a different skin. Um, I think just, um, uh, it, it just, I think it shows the versatility of him as an actor. Yeah, because it's one thing to have an actor go from like a comedic part to, you know, a very dark role to like a musical or something. Um, But to play variations of the same character, um, I think is kind of just an extra little something of talent that I think maybe not all actors are capable of because especially if you're playing a character for an extended period of time you kind of get used to being in that character's skin and you know it's like a well-worn in pair of shoes and then somebody is all like oh you really like this pair of shoes well here's essentially the same pair of shoes that are not broken in exactly and they try these on for size that that's a great way to way to compare it because uh, you know and you brought up some great great points because uh, 
you know, obviously the Darkhold plays a big, big role throughout the course of this film. And it doesn't surprise me coming from somebody like Sam Raimi, where like thinking of the Evil Dead franchise, you have the Necronomicon, which is, you know, obviously the, the tome that brings back the dead and is and is a, plays a pivotal role within that franchise. So I'm sure that Sam was reveling in the fact that, oh, I get to play with another book of evil. And here we get, of course, the Darkhold, which naturally had seen in other things, most recently one division, of course, but then obviously in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and other places too, the Runaways and everything else. But what I thought was great, I agree with you. I think it could almost be seen like the comparison of uh, using of a drug abuser and what that will do to you. Because I think you have the, the contrast naturally between Stephen and Wanda, who of course we'll be discussing later down the line. But I, and the fact that he starts from this point, this point of purity almost because like you were saying he is doing his duty as an avenger and uh trying to save his part of new york from threats especially i suppose magical ones which is what we see right at the top of this film and uh yeah i definitely think he, i don't think he minds not being sorcerer supreme anymore and though at the same time he's trying i think to cope like you were saying with everything that he has had to go through up until this point between end game the fact of wanting to be with christine but that not happening now her marrying somebody else even though he, he's trying to almost fool himself and others saying oh i'm fine because we notice that question is posed to him numerous times by people it's like how are you doing it's like oh everything's great i'm super happy i can't complain well obviously he's clearly lying to himself because he i i guess the the, the main thing is he's lonely he really obviously is pining after chris over christine and just feels incredibly lonely just being himself and as much as great company as Wong can be, but he obviously is missing the woman that he loves and is dying to be with her. And I think we see this even more so in that beautiful exchange between him and uh, Christine from Earth, Earth 838, where he literally pauses, I didn't believe it's Earth 38, I think so, but um, where he basically you know, gives his whole spiel that he loves her in every single world and every, every single version of her. So, I think it's very much that carries the 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 episode the, the the film a lot and added to that of course i think um by the time the movie's over i think he's realized what his priorities are and what he would like to what he would like to have in his life and of course we will be discussing the end whereas the dark hold may have gotten its claws into him as well because we have him criticizing you know kind of wonder etc telling her you shouldn't be doing this it's corrupting your soul and everything else Yet he ends up doing it as well because I guess desperate times call for des desperate measures and the book of Vishanti, which we don't get to see used, is gone at this point because it's obviously the whole thing about the book of Vishanti. And then that gets his, the Darkhold gets his claws into him and it'll be interesting to see where we move on from here. But I agree with you. I loved what Benedict brought to this, this uh, character from day one. He, he owns this character. It's just like RDJ with Tony Stark. This is the perfect fit for, for Benedict Cumberbatch, indeed. So let's get to the current Sorcerer Supreme, Mr. Benedict Wong, as Wong. And of course, I guess while we're at it, to discuss also the love of Stephen's life, Rachel McAdams in her various multiverse iterations of Christine Palmer. So Rachel, what did you make of, of these two? What do you make of Wong and, uh, and, the, and the numerous Christines we got here? I love Wong. <laughs> it, it's it, we it, we it's somewhat of a of a you know a, a, 
a joke, but the more we, the further we go along into this new phase of the MCU, the more it seems to be that we may not be joking as so much hit the nail on the head. But it, I swear, since Shang Chi, mm-hmm. it's been, it looks more and more like Wong is the true savior of not just the MCU but the multiverse. Yes, <laughs> between his actions with Shang Chi and in What If. And now in this, you know, and even him trying to convince Steven to not cast the the memory spell in Spider-Man No Way Home. And of course, Steven not listening to him. Yeah. And so like I tweeted early. I'm like, seriously, someone owes Wong a spot A. Eh? <laughs> No, no surprise. Wait. Tony invited him to his wedding and not Stephen. At yeah, the, time. the man needs a massage and some pampering and some just time away. Uh, a, you know, a day off from all of his responsibilities of holding this entire universe together. <laughs> yes. uh, I love Wong and. Um, you know that you know benedict that benedict wong how appropriate um i wonder what's like filming on set with the you know like sam raimi when he's like yeah you got the two benedicts together it's like when you want to get one of those there's attention it's like do you call them by character name because you can't call hey benedict yeah they'll both turn around you can go hey strange and at least you'd get Cumberbatch, and then you could go Wong and actually Benedict Wong, you would be calling him his character name and by his last name. So that works either way. (laughs) Um, Don't even talk to me about Infinity War and Endgame with the multiple Chris's and (laughs) both character name and actor name. There's a lot of similarities there. Um, But you know, Wong, God love him for the unlike, well, I don't say unlike, um, you know, we get to see some of what he's capable of in the first Doctor Strange, um, but our focus really is on on Stephen for a, a good chunk of it uh, um, until really till we get to the big kind of sort of showdown in hong kong until steven has to go and time loop dormammu um and then you know obviously wong gets snapped um so he's you know one of the people that gets to show up in the big you know all hands on deck in infant in the end game um but this gives us a really a good chance to see what Wong is capable of as a sorcerer in his own right. Obviously, he's got years on Stephen. You know, uh, yes, he was the librarian at the New York, you know, at the Sanctum and Camartage, but I don't think he's resting on his laurels there. Um, he's obviously a very talented sorcerer, um, which probably is why he got the title of Sorcerer Supreme. Um, which is interesting, considering if Wong got snapped, why did he get it? Maybe Wong didn't get snapped. Maybe Wong just says, I don't know about Wong's snap status, actually. 
Um, I believe he wasn't snapped because of the reason, I guess that's probably why I suppose in the end he became Sorcerer Supreme because he needed to fill that vacuum while Stephen was gone, I guess. Right. I was just kind of just under the assumption that everybody that showed up in Endgame were people who had been snapped and returned, but no, because mm. I mean, they needed sorcerers to open portals just to get to, you know, the final battleground. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Wong was snapped. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. That makes more sense. Um, but uh, but the the opening fight against Gargantuan, <laughs> Gar- whatever his name is, um, the giant octopus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we see him to take it to you know hold his own there at least for a little bit. Um, and then obviously he does pretty good about um Gargantos. Um, because they wanted to be Shuma Gorath, but the character Shuma Gorath is the copyright for that is held by somebody else. Uh, so they named him, renamed him Gargantos. Um, even after when Steven gets, you know, sent off to all these different universes and he's stuck with Wanda. Um, yeah, he just, he does a pretty good job of, you know, not necessarily holding his own, but staying alive, which considering Wanda, you know, how strong Wanda has gotten to this point, that's a, that's kind of a, a task into itself. Just try to stay alive, let alone try to beat her um so um you know i think wong is just i think wong is a uh you know from i don't know about the fan base but i i think he's uh probably underappreciated which is probably why he keeps wanting steven to bow to him uh (laughs) his ego needs a little needs a little stroking I very much agree. And uh, for what we got of, granted, we didn't get too much of Christine Palmer in this, but what we did get, did you, did you like what we got of her? Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think that chapter of, of, of Stephen and, and Christine, even just as friends is, you know, they'll probably remain friends, but they're probably not going to, you know, she'll probably, he'll probably remain on her Christmas card list. Yeah. But after this, that's probably going to be the extent of it, um, I guess, unless he needs proper medical attention. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, those two, there's a reason that he's not with Christine in pretty much every other universe it is just, you know, she gets him. But it's one thing to get someone and understand them and how they tick. But that doesn't necessarily mean you can be in a relationship with that person. Um, You can still care for someone. um, But that doesn't necessarily mean you want to spend a bunch of time with them. And that's the case, um, not just for romantic relationships, just any type of of relationship with a, another human being i've got i at least one person in my own personal life where it's like you know if we weren't related i probably wouldn't hang out with you ever 
<laughs> but it's like, I understand why you are the way you are. I just don't want to be mixed in with that because it's just it's oil and water. It just does not mix. Um, and but I think coming across um, and having that encounter with the 838 Christine allowed Stephen to finally move on and process that lost relationship. Um, you know, cause he kind of literally and figuratively closes it by repairing the watch. Yes. Um, and then putting in, putting in the drawer and, and tucking it away. Um, cause having that watch, you know, cause that was the watch that Christina, we now see Christine gave him as a, congratulatory present for some reason i don't know if that was when they developed the the strange palmer technique uh <laughs> uh or something you know and that's the one that's engraved on the back you know time will tell how much i love you or something like that um and they got damaged um and he's kept it with the damaged face ever since um and it doesn't run um, so for him to repair it to the point where it runs properly and change out the watch face is kind of letting go of this physical representation of what he had um, and allowing him to move on and being able to talk to in a way it's it's you know it's cathartic for him to be able to talk to a Christine without actually having to talk to his Christine because <laughs> then he could say what he needed to say knowing that that the 838 Christine he's never going to see again yeah this is true so he doesn't have to he doesn't have to worry about it yeah so now when he run in his universe when he runs into the Christine that he'd actually dated that is now married and moved on he's not going to have all that stuff that he's kept inside waiting to blurt out and be like, I still love you. He said it. And I think he very much yeah. needed that closure, you know, cause obviously um, yep. throughout, like I mentioned before, the fact that he keeps being asked the question, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And everything else. And he keeps saying he's fine when obviously he isn't. And I guess this is also maybe somewhat closure for us when it comes to the what if episodes that you had alluded to, because mm -hmm. it does play very well into that concept of, um, you know, Stephen wanting to kind of change things. Granted, that's a different reality where um, Christine keeps dying and he has to try and reverse time in order to stop her from dying because it's a fixed point. But it does remind me a lot of that. And I do, I'm wondering whether they, they're trying to also figure out what to do with this character because yes, we get to see her, especially the 838 version, but we don't really get too much more of her as a role. You know, I'm trying to figure out the role she has she has in the in the in the grander scheme of things because she is the love interest and uh, and everything else. And she, like you said, she her role was the kind of like patching Stephen up in the first film in the first Doctor Strange film. But outside of that, I'm wondering whether moving forward, whether Rachel McAdams will be returning at all, or whether we might just see her here and there because, or it might be a, something like. Um, when it comes to other 
you know, significant others when it comes to the, the our heroes, where they're kind of left to the side. We know they exist, but we don't get to see them, you know, much. I was thinking the you know, like for example, Jane Foster, unless they have something planned for her, like mm-hmm. Jane Foster, because granted, the character of Christine Palmer is an, one of the night nurses. So I don't know mm-hmm. where they will extend that and see what happens. But other than that, I think she's very much the the whole the whole reason to give Stephen closure and allow him to move on and uh, and carry on with his life and close that chapter, like you rightfully said. So it's all up in the air to see whether we'll get more of this character or not. I don't think we will, and I don't think we need to. And uh, I guess when they first announced the movie, Rachel McAdams actually said she wasn't coming back. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't if that was originally, you know, some version, early version of the script that Christine wasn't going to be part of it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe could back when they thought that this was going to tie into the finale of WandaVision. <laughs> and we we were supposed to get this before actually spider-man no way home um and then when things changed um that that would be my guess it's pure speculation at this point so but yeah i don't i don't think unless they decide to do something with her um i don't think she needs to come back she can just be kind of mentioned you know somebody's like you know, oh, we heard from Christine and it's some years down the road and, you know, obviously she's married. So maybe it's like, oh, yeah, she had a baby or something or, you know, it could, uh, it, something it, like that. It could work like like that for sure. And I'm not right there with you when it comes to Wong. I love this character to death. It's like the, in Ant-Man, Michael Pena or Luis is one of my favorite characters. Wong is my favorite character when it comes to the Doctor Strange franchise because aside from the fact that Benedict Wong plays him just so well, I think here he did get a little bit more to do because obviously in this film we have uh, Stephen pairing off with, with America Chavez and he, like you were saying, is stuck for the most part with Wanda. Grant is more of her captive and she's obviously using him to further her um, objectives and, and from uh, obviously the whole dark hole thing, keeping him there to going to Wondragore to then obviously activate the original um, runes of the, of the dark hold. And I think he's trying in his best way to kind of talk her off the ledge, even though it, she is just so committed to doing what she wants to do. that It's almost like talking to the wall, but I think to a certain extent at some point he does get through to her and uh, she, she starts to realize, aside from obviously the, the whole thing with her children. And, and I think that's what he's, he's, his role is here, is trying to kind of be the voice of reason. He's tried to be the voice of reason with Stephen. That didn't work too well. He's trying to do it with Wanda. And uh, the situa- it's, it's kind of a similar situation, I think. But I love what Wong did here. And we got to see a little bit more of this wise character who is, like I said, trying to be the conscience when it comes to, uh, to our, other, our other main players in this. So I was very, very, very happy with, with, with what we got to see of him too. So speaking Hashtag of- Hashtag get right? Wong to the spa. Yes, let's get Wong to the spa because the man has earned it and then some. And uh, so moving on here, let's get to our latest addition to the MCU, making her debut on this film. We have Suchiti Gomez as America Chavez. So, Rachel, what did you make of our newest character in the MCU? She is adorable. (laughs) Um... You know, to be 
thrust into this because uh, I think so. She, so she she's like sixteen or mm-hmm. something like that. So um, yeah, to be thrust into this, it's something. It's and you know for her first kind of she's been an actress for for a while but she's been doing like tv and like netflix stuff right um so this is kind of like her big film debut um and to be thrown into something at this scale surrounded by all of these seasoned actors who know what they're doing um is yeah, I don't know how she did it. Yeah, if I had gone on, if I if it me at sixteen and walked onto that set, I'd be like, oh hell no, I can't do this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so she just, you know, she just absolutely she kills it in this, you know, for um, in the end, America not really having a lot to do per se, mm-hmm. um, but that's because she's. You know, it, it's not until she comes into the 616 universe and encounters our Doctor Strange that she finally gets the opportunity to encounter someone that's willing to take a moment and kind of look her in the eye and be like, okay, this thing that happened to you, you know, you were just a kid and you accidentally opened this portal and your moms went off to who knows where, hopefully together. That would suck even worse if her moms had got separated in the process. Um, and, you know, little America and we see in the memory, I mean, she is, I don't know, eight nine something like that i don't know how old kids are uh so you know she's been at this universe hopping for years at this point you know she says she's been to 73 different universes up to the point where we end up in in uh eight through eight um so you know she's just been trying to survive on her own and then she finally encounters the defender you know ponytail strange and that doesn't turn out well um but then you know she meets this doctor strange and he's all like you know this thing that happened yes it really sucks but you know it, like he said if your mother's you know if your mother's or anything like their daughter they're they're surviving wherever they are they have figured out how to survive and y'all are going to get reunited and you just need to hold on to that belief and believe in yourself. And, you know, we can figure this out to the point where eventually you can get reunited with your family at some point. Um, so it's not until she kind of gets that, that initial pep talk. And then the one from zombie Stephen <laughs> that, you know, is all like, you know, very cliche but you know it's superhero movies so what you can do believe in yourself and you can do anything and that's you know that she finally figures out how to you know work with her powers instead of being so terrified of it kind of reminds me a little bit of um 
sky slash Daisy Johnson slash Quakes uh, uh, initial experience after she goes through Terra Genesis on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and gets her powers and she is so terrified of hurting someone she cares about that it ends up hurting her literally hurting herself and still kind of hurting the people around her because she's just you know she's this strange things happen i've got this power these powers i don't know how to control and why can't my life just go back to the way it was when everything was all hunky-dory um but it's um getting to the point where you can have someone support you um is so important and the fact that um yeah, they don't spell it out in so many words, but I think the idea is that if America goes through the training at Camartage, it'll give her the tools she needs and the more confidence she needs to, you know, probably in the future do more universe hopping and look for her parents. Mm-hmm. Would is my assumption, you know, because right now, yeah, she's probably she's figured out how to user powers but it's like unless uh, you know with the training maybe we figure out more you know more things her powers are capable of she could travel the multiverse and she can punch things really hard yes that's the extent that we know of which and she knows how to find pizza if it's available in the universe although she doesn't always pay for it um uh she and chauncey would get all really well together because he really loves pizza that's he would definitely be the same way with the america you know find food in the universe preferably pizza um but with the ability to i you know um do things like do portals and conjure weapons and make defensive shields and stuff so when she travels other you know other universes looking for her parents whatever she encounters in theory she'll be able to, it'll help her survive to the point where she can find her parents very true and yeah you know and you make a great good point because we have seen these kind of relationships before in the sense that um, the whole mentoring of a new hero, of course, we'd seen it quite a bit when it came to Spider-Man and Iron Man. And a little bit, I guess, Doctor Strange had his hand somewhat trying to mentor Peter in uh, No Way Home. Granted, they didn't get too, that much time together as much as, say, Tony and, um, and Peter got. But I think he kind of had that experience. And also, of course, him having been been mentored by the ancient one in, at his you know when it came to him in the first Doctor Strange he's kind of now going to play that role of mentor to somebody else in this case America and and you know we've seen this as I said dozens of times or throughout uh, you know, not only superhero movies where you have possibly these two characters who seem like they might not be able to might not mix but by the end of the movie there is very much that bond between the two. And I think that very much happens between Steven and America. And I think it, it allows also Strange to shine as a mentor as well and uh, get close to somebody like America, almost have this paternal relationship with her. And I, I love what Soshiti brought to this, um, this character. Very, you know, like you said, very sweet, very and, and, you know, full of energy, very bubbly. And, and uh, also at the same time, 
even though she's young and inexperienced, she has no problem mouthing off to people. And I think that was fabulous. I really liked her. She's very spunky. I very much liked, the, liked that about her. And even when she has to face Wanda pretty much towards the end of the film, she does it. She, you know, she does it with a, a brave heart and is right there for it and such. And, and yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the comparison that you made when it came to, um, to Quake from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty apt because of the fact that uh, she does have these powers. She doesn't know how to use them. She doesn't know how to control them. And of course, that is also the, uh, the role that Stephen has is to help her find that confidence and learn. And of course, it will be a learning process. Yeah, obviously, because now she's in camotage trying to hone her skills. But I think it was a great introduction. And I have to say at this point, they really upset me that uh, Soshiti came under so much fire because of the character she was playing and, you know, having a, um, a homosexual couple with two moms and everything else. So I really felt for her and I thought it was terrible that people had to go after her for that. So um, some some people I just really really don't understand why they even are allowed to be on the internet, but that's just me. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I guess we can. If you didn't, did you have anything else you wanted to mention here about America before we move on, Rachel? Um, no, I just look. I look forward to to seeing her in the future, especially when uh, you know, in theory, we're gonna get our you know young avengers team up with her and kate bishop and uh you know probably kamala khan and re williams and so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun um definitely you know as a we've talked before um you know what the the quote-unquote old guard the og avengers mm -hmm. moving on one way or another um that's the 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 younger blood that they're bringing in is um both as the the characters and the actors playing them that they're they're stepping up that they're stepping up and they they seem they seem to get you know the shoes kind of in a way that they're filling um and uh I, hope that she has a, a nice nice long career <laughs> <laughs> i hope so i really do um because yeah i mean so far it seems like it's shaping up to be uh, the, the whole young avengers thing i'm very excited about it. it seems like they have some great actors and actresses coming in for that so i think uh, the mcu is in is in pretty safe hands i think when it comes to the uh, the people involved both the actors and uh, people directing and what have you so let's get to one of the surprises of this film and which caused quite a few gasps in my theater. And I was one of those people gasping. A team which gets introduced and promptly obliterated by the Scarlet Witch. We have the Illuminati of Earth 838. And of course, making up this team, we have Patrick Stewart returning as Professor X, Haley Atwell as Captain Carter, Lashana Lynch as um, Captain Marvel, Anson Mount reprising his role from the Inhumans TV show as Black Bolt, John Krasinski as Reed Richards, <laughs> <laughs> as Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, and of course, Koweto Ejiofor uh, reprising his role as Carl Mordo. So when it came to our Illuminati, Rachel, what was your reaction? And uh, did you have some favorite moments, favorite characters and such? Because it's quite a big group here. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, looking goosebumps <laughs> even now, just thinking about it. 
Um, holy crap. Okay. Marvel's marketing. Whoever was in charge of this movie, give them a bonus. <laughs> because I was, I don't want to say spoiled per se, because it it, it is... The, it, the imagery is there in one of the trailers of Captain Carter's shield. Okay. She appears if it's one of those where you blink and you miss it type things, but the people that bother to stop and go frame by frame by frame caught that her shield was in the kind of collage of imagery in one of the trailers, I think. Ah, so there is I actually don't, I don't, the Union Jack shield there? Yes, yeah. So the indication was that a version of probably Captain Carter was going to be whether it was going to be Haley Atwell. We just kind of had to assume, um, especially considering she was at the red carpet <laughs> last week. So, <laughs> but they always have people in the MCU who aren't necessarily in the movie at these red carpets too, because they are one big family. It's a nice big like kind of family reunion every time one of these movies has a a red carpet premiere so um and then obviously the one trailer where you hear patrick stewart's voice and people are like oh my god is that professor x and of course patrick stewart is like deny 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 because that's kind of what you have to do um but <laughs> like john krasinski like, as well i believe did something similar and, well i mean um I know Andrew Garfield had to do that, you know, for, for Spider-Man because they were like contractually obligated to deny. Even if people figure it out, you still have to say no <laughs> for some reason because <laughs> it's just, it's it, you, you sign something um, that you're like, yeah, absolutely deny. No, no, like, dude, we saw you. It doesn't matter. It wasn't me. Uh, it's like that, that song from the early 2000s, Shaggy, it wasn't me. Uh-uh. Um, so, and then of course, Patrick Stewart was at the red carpet and I actually saw somebody tweet a photo of him from the red carpet. That's like, it's like, they're not even trying to deny it anymore. I am fully convinced that they let the Patrick Stewart thing go so that we would focus on that. Cause there's a lot of childhood nostalgia there. <laughs> Uh, for those of us that grew up with the 90s X-Men cartoons and then to have Patrick Stewart play you know, Professor X in the live action movies, at least older Charles Xavier, obviously. Um, sorry to his younger self. Um, but um, I, I like to think that they like allowed us the Patrick Stewart thing so that they could keep the John Krasinski thing under wraps. Because I know John Krasinski has been a fan dream casting for Reed Richards for years, even before like Disney bought Fox or Marvel bought Fox, however you want to put it, before Fox was bought and the idea of Fantastic Four was even a thing. You know, people have been, he is like, up there you know there's so much fan-made art out out there of him as reed richards in you know the fantastic four outfit preferably with his real life wife <laughs> as sue storm we'll see if that happens um or not um 
but yeah, so that was, I know that that's been a dream for fans for a very, very long time. So for it to actually happen <laughs> was just like, you know, when, when Mordo is like introducing the Illuminati and he's like, you know, Captain Carter. And I was like, Ooh, but I'm not that surprised. Cause like I said, I kind of sort of got spoiled, but then we also got Captain Carter in what if, so we were kind of just waiting to see, you know, if we would get a live action version and who else is going to play Peggy, but Haley, you know, no one else can play Peggy Carter in any form or fashion. Anson Mount, on the other hand, I did not see coming at all. I did not see them see them bringing Black Bolt in, especially the Black Bolt that we got in the Inhumans TV series. So I, they must have like found a, he must have had a, a big enough break in his Star Trek Strange New Worlds filming for him to pop on over and be like, yeah, let's, let's do this thing. You know, I'll grow the stubble again. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know he's not yeah he doesn't have any lines really uh so he just has to do stage direction for the most part uh so i did not see black bolt coming in and especially especially being the face that you know like me and the one other person that bothered to watch the inhumans tv series um would recognize as that character uh captain marvel not that big of a surprise. Uh, the fact that Captain Marvel, as we have discussed on the Five-ish Fangirls, that name has been bounced around a lot. For uh, Lots of different people have taken up that moniker. Um, so it would make sense that if there's a Captain Marvel in a different universe, that it could potentially be someone different in this case who uh, you know who else but uh you know carol's bff you know why not have it be rambo and in, 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 instead of danvers become captain marvel in that universe it makes it makes perfect sense plus it was cool just to hear back um which was which was awesome but the john krasinski thing when Mordo was like, and the smartest man in the universe, and you know, he appears, and I don't, you may have a gasps in your theater. I had Falun screaming in the first showing that I went to, because I've seen it twice. Right. Um, and I don't know if it was just because it was early in the day screening, or if the people that I was seeing it with had already seen it already or what so i took because the script the yelling and the screaming the applause the first time i totally missed Stephen strange quip about the fantastic four peaking in the 60s <laughs> <laughs> so i got to hear it the second time around i'm like that's funny uh, <laughs> uh but i mean just this is oh my god um i it's you know these characters put together are some of the most powerful and varied heroes that we have from the Marvel comics. I mean, they're all super, super powerful, but in their own way. Um, so, 
it, it makes sense to have a group like that put together um because that universe does apparently does not have an avengers um where the ultron robots came from yeah i guess maybe we can assume that reed richards designed them because that universe does not have a tony stark i assume maybe yeah because a lot of people were thinking tom cruise would appear as iron man were you kind of glad that didn't happen oh yes oh no I'm sorry, no matter what universe, if there's going to be an Iron Man, it has to be Robert Downey Jr. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's totally fair. And did, how did you wrong? <laughs> I, I hear you. And, and how did you feel about the fact that they pretty much all got destroyed by, by Wanda? I mean, were you kind of upset about that? Were you cool with that? How did you, how did you take that? Uh, I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. The, the fact that, that, uh, Captain Marvel's like, oh, we can deal with your little witch. I'm like, little witch, girlfriend, you have no idea what you're up against <laughs> with this little witch. I'm like, y'all are going to get your asses handed to you. And that is exactly what happened. Because, I mean, really, at this point, you know, by this point, um, the moment that Wanda decided to go dreamwalking, the first time that is a moment where she truly went from being Wanda Maximoff to just being the Scarlet Witch. Wanda is gone. The Scarlet Witch persona has absolutely taken over. And she's being a, a, a Nexus being, she's extremely powerful. Um and for them to think that the, 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 you know, their little group could handle her, which just ego <laughs> wrongly placed and they paid for it. You know, it's just like, I mean, cause I mean, obviously even just Wanda on her own is extremely strong. I mean, she almost took Thanos out herself in Endgame. So just plain old Wanda Maximoff was already strong. So then full-on Scarlet Witch is a force to be reckoned with. Um, I mean, there's a reason that Agatha was so afraid of her in WandaVision. Um, And considering the amount of power that Agatha had developed and stolen throughout the years if she even she is afraid of the scarlet witch that tells you something that absolutely tells you something so yeah no i i totally expected their their asses to be handed to them i did not necessarily expect it to be so brutal (laughs) um which the (laughs) the black bolt is I, I wonder how many people didn't get the manner of his death. Hmm. Cause they really only mention it, you know, when they're talking to Steven, they're like, you know, Black Bolt can can kill you by opening his mouth. He's like, Well, he's got bad breath. <laughs> um, and then we see him kill that universe's Steven with just, you know two words essentially because that's that's black bolt's power essentially is his his voice is 
is destructive you know it's uh you know um so he i mean he cannot he literally cannot speak a word even at his tiniest whisper because it could at the very least maim if not kill if not utterly destroy uh so when he's in the middle of speaking and then wanda takes away his mouth where's that sound gonna go but back up into his own head and that's what caused his skull to implode, you know, <laughs> collapse, killing him. Uh, and obviously the, the Mr. Fantastic that Reed Richards was just, you know, they had to do something with him doing the stretching. Yeah, sure. Because it's Mr. Fantastic. Um, uh, and then, you know, Cap- uh, yeah, Captain Carter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say how you uh, felt about that one. The fact she gets basically split in half by her own shield. That, yeah, which I'm glad that they don't actually so show like the body parts like separating. <laughs> you just kind of get the inference that you know it went right through her and, and cut her. I do. I you know it's low hanging fruit. Obviously, it's you know they they didn't have to do it. But you kind of had to do it. If you're going to have Captain Carter, you have to have her say the line. Yeah. I could do this all day. I mean, I know it's low hanging fruit, but you just had to do it. It was just asking for it. Um, and then uh, Captain Marvel, you know, it's. Because considering Captain Marvel, assuming that this universe is Captain Marvel, got her powers the same way that Carol did, mm-hmm. where it just so happens that the day that they had the you know the accident, the training exercise, whatever you want to call it, the events that led up to Carol being exposed to the Tesseract. If Maria Rambo did the same thing, that her powers are also from an infinity stone presuming that the tesseract is also an infinity stone in this universe um and not just some sort of like cosmic artifact um then she is uh, she is pre scarlet witch wanda just as powerful because again our captain marvel was almost able to take down thanos all by herself um so yes we see her get crushed but i would hedge my bets and say that there's a potential she's not dead Mm. that when they get her right yeah get give the get her out of that rubble she there's a potential she could have survived obviously everyone else done um and then yeah but i i still think there's the potential that captain marvel that captain marvel could have survived um we'll see i guess uh, yeah. at some point in the future um and then uh professor x God. that was <laughs> really good i, think, I love that i think scene. i think three times that patrick stewart's professor x has been killed on screen now <laughs> yes so 
but that is that you know he he you know first of all patrick stewart beloved actor anyway obviously him as professor x and the fact that they put him in the yellow hover chair just like from the 90s cartoon and even put a little bit of the theme music when he comes rolling in and all this 90 kids are like yes um you know for for the scarlet witch to just snap his neck like that was like oh that's just brutal i think that was the most brutal but i think that comes from a nostalgia just like how dare you hurt a national treasure like <laughs> although patrick did a fat yeah once again did a fabulous show it was really wild to see him inside wanda's mind and you know when he's psychically trying to con contact somebody he has the ability to walk and there's a couple of moments there where he's walking and he reminded me of my dad <laughs> <laughs> they're about the same age uh so that mod really has a lot to do with it um and there's one point where he's like looking around but he makes eye contact with the camera and it almost looks like he's looking right at you and then he keeps going i thought that was really cool um but i was like you know i was like you can you can you know turn reed richards into little rubbery shreds you could blow the brains of Black Bolt. You can saw Captain Carter in half. But how dare you, <laughs> Scarlet Witch, snap the neck of Charles Xavier. <laughs> oh. Yes, the audacity of doing that, I think, is is, is pretty is pretty big for sure. I'm, I, I'm right there with you. I, 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 I was literally gasping. I was just like, oh, my God, they're all here. And because obviously I had not only seen that one trailer, the, the theatrical trailer, that we'd, we'd had for this film uh, when I've gone to see previous movies at the theater. So this was all surprise for me because I try to stay off the interwebs when it comes to news breaking about potential people being there and such. And yeah, I, I guess here also it was Sam Raimi's time to shine when it came to having done the Evil Dead stuff. And they're like, okay, you, you get free reign. We can't make it into an R-rated movie, but you can have fun with how Wanda kills these various characters. It was very in Sam Raimi fashion, especially Captain Carter's death and Black Bolt's for sure. I was kind of sad that they all kind of died, but I suppose you also had to showcase how powerful Wanda was at this point. So what mm -hmm. better way than have a face off against some of the greatest and strongest heroes out there. Plus, as a big fan of the comics, I, I was um, familiar with the Illuminati. It was cool we brought them in here. I, I, I was blown away with John Krasinski. I'm hoping he will be playing this role when the fantastic movie rolls around. It's hard to say whether it's just like a little treat for everybody. Like you were saying that everybody wanted him to play this character at some point. So I guess we'll just have to hold our breath, cross our fingers and see. But um, I, I really, yeah. really enjoy this. I mean, would you like to see uh, John Krasinski as the 616 uh, Mr. Fantastic? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think he I think he would be fantastic, and <laughs> and obviously, uh, well, I haven't seen a Quiet Place, um, but I've seen bits of I've seen clips from Quiet Place, <laughs> so you know, and obviously I've I've seen them outside of acting together. He and and, and Emily Blunt, his wife, obviously get along really well together, um, 
but they seem to act well against each other too. So, um, you know, if they want to cast her a Sue Storm, why not? You know, uh, keep it in the family. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, and that's the thing is like, because we're doing multiverse, um, at least from the 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 what we've seen is if it's a person like black bolt or even stephen strange or mordo or charles xavier in different universes it's the same recognizable face but if it's a title like a captain whatever um because i mean they could they could have called her captain britain but i know that's also another character yeah um so that's why they went with captain carter but they could have easily done captain britain i guess if they really wanted to in that case it's a title or captain marvel where it could be passed around and therefore it doesn't have to be the same familiar face then um you know because obviously now we're back in 616 obviously captain marvel is going to be you know carol danvers um and but you know captain america the title has been passed on from steve rogers to, to sam wilson in our universe um but the reed richards slash miss i know he's mr fantastic in, in a way is kind of a, a a moniker but it's really it's not one i think that can really be passed on except to maybe one of his kids yeah like his son um which was alluded to um so um but yeah, if we're going to have Mr. Fantastic, who is Reed Richards, I'm guessing that they would want it to have the same familiar face. And maybe in 616, it's just without the beard. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 a, that's an excellent point for sure. Yeah, because uh, I would love to have John Krasinski uh, as, the, as the 616 uh, Mr. Fantastic, or heck, even Anson Mount returning as Black Bolt. I'm among those few people like yourself, Rachel, who did um, see the Inhumans TV show through as bad as it was, in my opinion. You're the other person that watched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was, a, I was a big, big fan of the comics. So when it came, I was like, oh, yes, I can't wait to see it. Sadly, it was very disappointing. But I'm hoping this might, you know. They tried. Yes. I think, you know, it can't, you can't. It was a, a thing. Exactly. You can't, always have a, you can't always have a perfect uh, TV show all the time. Even Marvel gets it wrong sometimes. And, and yeah. I'm just hoping this might breathe new life into the Inhumans because they're a great bunch of characters. The concepts are great. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, if this went down well enough, then maybe Anson Mount will return. We will get the Inhumans again down the line, I hope. And as when it came to the only like surviving member of this group, obviously Carl uh, Mordo, what did, what did you make of him? I mean, because uh, when I saw the trailer at the time, I thought he was going to be the main antagonist for the most part. It doesn't really turn out to be that way. So, yeah, what did you what did you make of him? Uh, 
obviously this this mordo has a similar um set of convictions as our mordo does mm-hmm. um where you know things are done a, a certain way and rules have to be followed so that the universe does not go all crazy mm-hmm. um is is this this one had the opportunity of foresight i guess in knowing that another version of dr strange may be popping up at some point in the future so he was fully prepared to put the friendly act on um which i was not expecting and when he first was like my brother and he was hugging and i was like oh well we are in a different universe so you know maybe this mordo is nice and isn't a you know a jerk like our universes and then he goes and drugs them with the tea and i was like oh no never mind nope (laughs) this mordo is just uh kind of the same as uh as ours where you know he's 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 set in his ways and he you know refuses to um you know to see the nuance that comes from um people having different experiences um you know and he and the illuminati and even that version's christine are all like oh all the stephen stranges are the same Mm. and it's like well how many other stephen stranges have you encountered other than yours that makes you think that you know (laughs) um uh, I guess there's been some others that have come through <laughs> that they just don't bother to mention. Uh, it's just kind of implied that this is not the first other Stephen Strange to come through this universe. Um, but it takes, we have the advantage of, have been with our Stephen Strange since you know <laughs> his movie and um and seeing his his origin story and everything so we we know that our steven yes he's arrogant he can be quick to uh act on his emotions and not be logical which is kind of ironic when you think about it considering the man was a world-class surgeon um you know uh so um but i see i see the nuance instead of just painting them with this this broad brush of oh you're stephen strange therefore you must be a egotistical jackass who uh, you know a type personality has to be in charge type so and so that the others seem to see him see him as yes some of those characteristics are correct but that's not all of who he is you know he's a man who really you know does care about others even if he isn't very good at showing it um he could be very sarcastic uh, but sometimes it is quite funny. Uh, <laughs> he's got he's got a very sharp 
wit about him. Um, you know, he can be, you know, give him a task. He can be very dedicated to it. You know, the, the number of books that he would go through when he was at Camartage in the first movie he just goes to show just, you know, he's like, oh, you know, like read these here's six books from Wong's library. And the next day he's like, okay, I'm done. Give me more, please. You know, cause he's like, I got a task. I'm going to do it. So yeah. Get, gave me these books to read. I'm going to read them. Um, which is, there, there's so much more that I could get into, but I won't um, at this point. Cause we're going to get more in the future. That'll help build my case. But it's just some of the reasons why I love Dr. Strange as a character um, in general and why he's, you know, one of my absolute favorites of, of all time is because I, I like my superheroes nuanced and complex like that. I um, think it makes for a much more interesting story to tell, I think, rather than you have your squeaky clean character for sure i think and uh, and i'm right there with you he's definitely one of my favorites too and i was uh, you know almost wondering because obviously at the time i did not know what this we were getting with this film whether as i said mordo might have been the main antagonist seeing also what we had seen in the uh, scott derrickson film the first doctor strange film and the ending and that apparently mordo was on a rampage to kill all sorcerers granted this is not the mordo from earth 616 but I wondered mm-hmm. whether that would possibly play into that at some point, because I guess it might, because he's probably the only, he's, I think, the only one who survives unless, uh, unless Captain Marvel is alive. But I think he's the only one who survives at the Illuminati. So I, I, it makes me wonder whether he might be resurfacing at some point or heck, go and find his um counterpart from earth 616 because or we might never see this version again. I don't know, but uh, uh, I, I was just, because he was so heavily featured in the trailers or in the trailer, mm-hmm. if you so he thought to himself, they're putting him up as the main antagonist, which I guess was a red herring. I, I the thing is, is I thought the antagonist mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily going to be a person. Mm. I thought it was going to be the ripple effects of Stephen mess- messing with everything from Spider Man, right? Um. That's what, because I think it was like the first trailer and and I think in there, you know, Stephen's like, you know, I did what I had to do to save our universe, you know, and now I realize that he's probably talking about giving up the time stone and letting people be snapped. But I thought that this was going to be fallout from that, that, you know, him, because we got glimpses of the multiverse in Spider-Man. And I thought that maybe while he was successful of wiping everyone's memories of Peter Parker, that maybe just him, you know, ripping those holes and in the allowing people from other universes through wasn't going to be completely healed. And this was going to be the outcome from that. So I, and I, it never occurred to me that, um, that Mordo could be the uh, antagonist. And I really didn't see Wanda being the antagonist because I thought she had gotten to a good place at the end of WandaVision. You know, I knew she had the dark hold and that was bad. Um, I have not seen runaways yet. I, I, I don't take away my Marvel fan card. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Cause I know it's in there. 
Um, and then it was in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season four. Yeah, I think. I think wasn't that when First we had the, the whole Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, um, so our universe's dark hole has been passed around <laughs> from a few different places before uh, Agatha got her hands on it and then Wanda got it from Agatha. Um, so I knew with the dark hole that Wanda was dealing with something that she probably should not be messing with. And I thought that maybe her, I don't know, maybe her using the dark hold would also have an effect on Steven not being able to fix the universe after what he did in Spider-Man. But I did not see her going full on like psycho killer slasher movie, you know, covered in I don't know if that was all blood because it seemed awfully dark. I'd also like to think that maybe there was like motor oil in the Ultron robots. <laughs> I hope so. Because yeah, I mean, the number of people she killed in this, I think was a mixture of motor oil and blood and other, other, other. And where did her <laughs> shoes go? <laughs> she left the house. She had shoes on. True. <laughs> and then by the time she gets to the, the, the facility, you know, whatever we want to call that, the Illuminati headquarters, the Baxter facility, I don't know, whatever. Uh, she doesn't have any shoes on. And she, why is she running around without shoes on? Conjure yourself some shoes, woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and I guess that's a great segue because I guess we can then deeper dive and discuss this character then. Because, of course, let's get to the dark side of the table and the character that pretty much the interwebs is talking about. And I think we'll talk about for quite some time the one and only Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. So aside from missing shoes and such, Rachel, what did you make of uh, um, what uh, Wanda did in this and uh, her being the villain in this film? Elizabeth Olsen? Someone give her a gold star. Give her all the gold stars. (laughs) She kills it. In this movie, I mean, she really showed not only her capacity as an actress in WandaVision, but she also showed a depth and complexity of Wanda Maximoff as a character and then took it. And apparently she showed up to set to film this like two days after finishing uh, filming WandaVision. So she was probably still in that headspace oh, yeah. and walked on to set and was like, okay, I'm going to turn that, do what I did in WandaVision, but turn it up to 11. And then turn it up to 11 again. <laughs> she kills it in this movie. I mean, just Wanda is, you know, I'm not a parent. I have no plans to be a parent, at least not to humans. So, I do not have a maternal bone in my body whatsoever. I see small children and babies and I'm like, eh, whatever. Show me a puppy or a kitten. I'm like, you know, Uh, but humans, not so much. So I can't wrap my brain around the whole maternal thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but I get that that's where they're coming from. Because, uh, you know, from a textbook academic point of view, I get it. Um, you know, purely from a psychological, biological, chemical type scientific uh, aspect, I get that becoming a parent uh, literally and figuratively changes who you are as a person, uh, especially if you uh, are, uh, you know, someone that is able to become pregnant um, and carry a pregnancy to term and give birth to, you know, said children that there are literal biological and chemical changes that occur in the body right. um, that fundamentally change who you are. Part of the reason why I never want to become a parent. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to give those parts of myself up um, over to that bit. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm oversimplifying by saying, uh, you know, she got to experience a life that she never got to really have as a kid because living in Sokovia where it's this war-torn country. And yes, she has her parents and her brother, but, you know, it's not that, you know, it's not the nicest atmosphere. Her escape is these classic TV shows um, as we see in WandaVision and then, you know, being experimented on by Hydra and then losing her brother um, and then finding this new family with the Avengers. But then everything that happens in um, Civil War gets her painted, you know, with the Sokovia Accords and gets her painted essentially as a villain. Um, and, uh, you know, have you know, trying to have some sense of normalcy with vision while they're kind of on the run together um and then being forced to be the person to kill the love of her life and then have such a traumatic thing to happen which yeah it, it sucks uh, you know vision says in, in infinity war he's like it you know it shouldn't be you but it is and that's because you know he's got an infinity stone in her head and that's where her power came from was that infinity stone so the only thing to could be able to kill an infinity stone really is the power of an infinity stone so it really had did have to be her um, but then, you know, for her to have to go through that traumatic experience of having to kill vision and then to watch Thanos saunter in, use the time stone, reverse what she just did, and then literally rip vision's forehead out. No wonder she screwed up, <laughs> you know, and why she did what she did in WandaVision. But I, I really thought that she had reached a good point, you know, at the end of WandaVision. But you just never know what trauma is the thing. I mean, she's she's a you know, first fantastical as it is. Um, and granted, they 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 pretty much just cover WandaVision and not the MCU movies before it. But um, if you go listen to Popcorn Psychology's episode about WandaVision, they do a great job of 
you know, kind of analyzing Wanda's trauma from a real world psychological perspective. Um, so yeah, just because Wanda found a, you know, was in a quote unquote good place at the end of WandaVision doesn't mean that everything's gonna be all sunshine and rainbows from here on out. You know, she's still alone, really. Um, and, um, you know, any sort of, you know, the only really friend she has is Monica Rambo, who is immediately sent, you know, off world. <laughs> so she doesn't have Monica to turn to. And what Avengers are left are off doing their own thing. You know, like maybe Clint would be someone that she could potentially talk to, you know, about loss, you know, because they're both in a way responsible for their best friend's death. You know, in this case for Clint, it's Natasha. Sure. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't really have anybody to turn to. Uh, so what does she turn to? The one thing that she, that she really only has left at left is her magic. But the issue is that she's got the dark hold instead of just maybe going to Carmartage or someplace like that or one of the sanctums and reading up books there and learning more about honing her craft. She has this book that the, the moment she opens it and starts reading it, it's going, it starts corrupting you and essentially takes the worst parts of her and amplifying them um to the point where the the wanda that we have come to know and love is is gone um so uh, it's just it's a fabulous performance uh, from from elizabeth um you know to her being so so restrained you know for being what seemingly you know not so happy wanda but at least content wanda you know trimming her apple trees to you know when she shows up at camaraderie and she you know she tells steven she's like i've been reasonable you know that was me being reasonable <laughs> to becoming essentially kind of this eldritch horror type thing like the bit where she uses the mirror dimension to her advantage and utilizes the puddles but then she climbs out of the giant gong and it's like that one ca- the the creepy girl from the ring climbing out of the tv yes i was like oh my gosh this is just oh it's so creepy and then from there i mean her just her entire psyche just you know goes off the rails really from from that point but you know to the thing that ultimately quote-unquote saves her is the one thing that she truly wants and that's her children even though she doesn't get what she wants by going to a dimension where her children exist where they can live happily ever after the really the innocence that comes from children the fact that children don't have filters (laughs) 
is really is kind of her saving grace because you know she shows up and billy and tommy see her and even though she may look like their mom that's not the first thing they notice they notice the otherness about her and they're immediately afraid and that just go you know that show it it's essentially holding up a mirror to her and allowing her to see what she's truly become and you know because up until this point she's just been trying to justify she's like i'm not a monster i'm a mother um i'm not gonna get into my mommy issues um that's for therapy um (laughs) but um yeah the fact that her children do not see her as her they see her as this thing that's dangerous and scary and they don't want to be around this is very is it's it's the turning point for wanda and she realizes that she can't it's kind of like Stephen with the watch where it's like, I can't keep holding on to and reminding myself of the things that I can't have as much as I want it. I can't have it because I've made decisions that have had devastating consequences and there's no fixing it. The only thing I can do is move forward and try to do better. And in this case, it's her destroying the temple slash throne slash tomb, whatever you call it. And therefore the source of the dark hold and all of the dark holds that exist in all the other universes. I don't think Wanda's dead. <laughs> um but probably put zombie strange out of commission destroying that thing i don't think wanda's dead no i i don't think so either and i i mean you, you know you brought up some some fantastic points because i mean she is the villain in this picture but at the same time she's a very tragic one indeed because uh, as you mentioned what we saw in wandavision her having to deal with her grief from everything that she had lost be it her brother be it the man that she loved and and everything else added to the fact that she had these kids which she literally made up and then had to had to say goodbye to by the end of WandaVision and then obviously with the Darkhold was hearing their voices so and, and at the time you know a lot of people were speculating that maybe that her children were somewhere else and she just wanted to go and find her children which is ostensibly what she wants to do but obviously she goes about it in the completely wrong way because I think she's just so driven by grief added to the corruption of the Darkhold, which has, like, like you were mentioning, very much taken over and, and brought out her darker instincts to where she is justifying all this carnage that she is causing by the fact that I'm a mom and I would just want to be with my kids. But she doesn't realize the lives she's destroying in the process added to the wonders lives that she's destroying when she's when she does the whole dreamwalking thing, because and, and that's exactly when we have that Billy and Tommy moment where she arrives and there's the other Wanda. And I, I believe in the sky, which is kind of just throws her aside with just the swing of her hand 
And then obviously Billy and Tommy are just terrified by this. And I think that's when Wanda realizes I, it's, I, I haven't moved past my grief and I, I, have, I, I have quite a few issues I have to fix here. And I think it's almost mirroring what, uh, Stephen's journey because Stephen is trying to get past his grief and he's denying or he's in denial about the way he's feeling. He's almost lying to himself that he's okay, but he isn't. So both of them are, are in their own way, I guess, trying to deal with their grief. Stephen being in denial, Wanda having been in denial, but now gone to the point of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the extreme path to get what I have to, even if it means you know, other people dying, I'm going to be happy. So it, it is very much that psychological journey, like you were mentioning. And uh, Elizabeth Olsen, if, if she doesn't get some kind of recognition, I was very upset she didn't get anything Emmy-wise. This woman needs to be recognized because she's, she did a fabulous, mm-hmm. fabulous job with this. And I agree with you. In fact, I was going to ask you whether you thought that uh, Wanda was dead, but I don't think so either because one, we didn't see a body. And Who's to say she just didn't teleport out when the one Dragor was destroyed? So it could it, it could it could be various things. What I was though um, wondering, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, is were you surprised that White Vision didn't show up at all? Uh, no, not really. Mm. Um, just I don't know where he would have fit in. Right. I don't, I don't think much. he would have fit in. I, I think it would have been. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have necessarily fit into um, the this particular story. The fact that there isn't any reference to a vision mm-hmm. in the other universe where Wanda is happily living with Billy and Tommy. Um. You know, obviously there's like family photos around the house, but the only one that we really see well is just a, a shot of just her celebrating a birthday. Um, so Billy and Tommy had to come from somewhere <laughs> uh, in this in that universe. Um, so is it a question of, you know, is, you know, were she envisioned together and in that universe something happened to him? Did they break up? You know, <laughs> so uh, there's, a, there's a few questions in there of where exactly the other universes Billy and Tommy came from. Sure. Um, but, um, but in general, yeah, I don't think I don't think that um white vision would have fit into into this so because i think it would have i think it would have been too easy for him to come in and be like you know wanda it's me look i'm here we can be happy together let's go up somewhere um it you know as as much as she as much as she talks about how I just she's like I just want to be with my kids I just want to be with my boys you know I love my children you know I'm a mother I need to be with my children the fact that she's like you know it's just about the kids and not about the father of the kids (laughs) um it's a bit odd it is yeah. um but at the same time it's like I I think 
I think with uh, Vision, unlike Billy and Tommy, I think maybe headspace-wise, Wanda is in a better place. Um, She's maybe accepted his death, I guess. She, yeah, she's accepted his death and the fact that, you know, at the end of WandaVision, they were all like, you know, we keep getting separated, yet we keep coming back to each other. So odds are we'll get reunited again. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's that part of her that's like, you know, there's because of Vision and who and what he is that there is a possibility for them to reunite in the future, but because Billy and Tommy were literally just constructs of the, the hex, it's a little different. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to see uh, what part white vision plays. And I'm sure of course he'll be returning because he's zooming around Earth 616 somewhere. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll see what happens to that. And uh, I guess then at this point, if, um, did you have anything else you wanted to, to mention about the, the film here, Rachel, before we get to the ending and our mid-credits scene? Uh, no, let's talk about that ending. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. And as you, Okay, let, then let's do this. Of course, when it comes to the ending, naturally, um, we, we did allude to this, that, uh, of course, uh, uh, America Chavez is now in camotage, trying to hone her skills with the, the rest of the, uh, of the folks there. And, of course, things seem to be kind of hunky-dory and everything else until, at some point, Stephen steps out of his apartment feeling terrible pain, and we see he grows a third eye. That's one thing. Secondly, Strange is then approached by a sorceress in our mid-credit who warns him that his actions have triggered an incursion, and she invites him to join her in the Dark Dimension. And of course, this woman is none other than Claire Strange, who will be played by Charlize Theron. So, yeah, Rachel, what did you make of our ending in our mid-credit scene? Because our post-credit scene is, you know, Bruce Campbell slapping himself, which is fun, but, you know. <laughs> That was very meta. Yes. That, that, yeah. I, it was. It was. It was a. It was a very smart, uh, humorous. It was a good way to end the movie with people with a smile on their face, considering just how like dark and destructive this movie had been. <laughs> and, you, and you had to have a Bruce Campbell cameo because it's Sam Raimi, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we'd had him in the bo- movie proper with the pizza balls, but yes. to see that you know. Apparently in that universe, the three weeks have passed and Strange's spell is now stopped and he can stop hitting himself. <laughs> um, but yet, yeah, you know, it's there is a movie starring, you know, directed by Sam Raimi with Bruce Campbell in it and an evil book. And he's got a hand that's trying to kill him. So, you know, mm, uh, <laughs> I see what they did there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raimi's like, I can do this. Um but uh, yeah, that was just funny. Uh, and the fact that he's like, it's over. Cause you know, so, yeah, it's, it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, Mar- us Marvel fans have been trained to stay in the seats mm-hmm. for as long as possible, just in case. So to also have him literally look at us and be like, it's over. It's like, okay, okay. I know I can leave now. <laughs> Bruce Campbell, the pizza popper said I could, I could, I could go. So, um, <laughs> kind of like what Deadpool um, did in his movies as well. Yeah, it's like you're still here. The movie's over. Go away. <laughs> um, 
um but uh yeah it just you know when we see uh you know camouflage being put back together in america's doing your training and uh steven and wong are having a, a chat and steven asks you know ask wong you know are you happy and wong's all like you know there's part of me that wonders about the other universes but then you know i see what i've got here and i'm grateful for the life i've got you know, i'm mm -hmm. sure that there's also a part of him that's really grateful that he's not in the universe where he's naked running from a clown <laughs> um so you know it, he you know as far as steven knows he's he's not suffering any undue consequences from reading the dark old turns out that's wrong um Although I was joking with some of the folks that uh, I did, I saw Thursday night with afterwards. And I was like, yeah, a guy walking down the street and suddenly drops to his knees screaming out loud in the middle of New York City. That's just a Tuesday afternoon. That's why nobody um, pays attention. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that is not that unusual for New York. Uh, the third eye may be. Yeah. depending on what neighborhood you're in uh <laughs> they are in greenwich village um um so uh but obviously he's mistaken even just the the the, the short amount of time that he had the dark hold open when it was reading it is uh you know is it is it a consequence of just the dark hold as a whole or is it a consequence because of the specific dream walking that he did mm, could be a bit of both i guess right because the the spirits of the damned told him that inhabiting a dead body in itself would have consequences yeah good point yeah so I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, yeah, although the whole third eye thing, considering kind of the um, where some of the magic from Doctor Strange gets, you know, pulls from, mm -hmm. the idea of the third eye is actually quite common. Granted, it's not a literal third eye, but a kind of a metaphorical third eye <laughs> sure. is a thing. And I mean, that's where the, the ancient one hit him uh, or placed her thumb when he first goes to, to Camartage in the first movie, when she first uh, sends him kind of through a mini tour of the multiverse. Um, you know, that's where she, you know, I, when she takes him and hits him and sends his, you know, spirit out of his body she smacks him in the chest but when she sends him through the the trippy experience it's she literally takes her thumb and presses it right where that third eye would be um so it's it's kind of interesting that they've taken kind of that metaphorical third eye which in some beliefs i believe the third eye is one of the chakras yep, i it think is, yeah. um yeah uh and you know, making it a, a literal thing. So, um, and the fact that, you know, he, he opens that, um, seemingly at will in the scene with Clea, 
probably shows that a bit more time has passed and he's learned to control it, I guess, to a point. And doesn't seem that concerned about utilizing it. And Clea doesn't seem to balk at it. So either she just assumes that that's a normal thing or she's not that concerned about it. I did not know that Charlize Theron was going to be a thing uh, in the MCU. Uh, And I knew that the people were waiting for Clea to show up at some point. Um, Now, whether she will actually i guess there's always potential there that whether she could be a love interest for steven i guess we'll have to wait and see which is why they haven't actually given her a last name at this point mm-hmm. um and what they actually decide to do as far as her origins are concerned because if they go with her comic book origins yeah it could be interesting considering she's Dormammu's niece. <laughs> it could be. It could be interesting. I mean, would you be surprised if she became the next Sorcerer Supreme? Because in the current comics, that's what she's. But she becomes. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, if we were to say, I mean, hypothetically, goodbye to. Benedict Cumberbatch as heartbreaking as it would be, would you possibly embrace (laughs) Charlie's? I know, I know I don't want to put that thought in your head, but I wonder where they're setting it up for that. I mean, I don't know, but um, would you be, would you embrace that that possibility of maybe having her as the replacement for for Stephen? I mean, I'd roll with it. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily like it, but I'd roll (laughs) with it. But I mean, Charlize is not, a spring chicken either no so that's the thing is like they keep bringing in these new people but they're not necessarily young like you think angelica yeah like our kate bishops and our you know america chavez is where they are young still young actors Mm -hmm. and therefore can come in and do the role for a while before it becomes too physically demanding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah it's like well robert Downey jr has hung it up and so does chris evans and you know <laughs> some of the others it's just like we're getting up there in age guys and there's only so much you know workout and diet you can do to prevent injury but yeah you know. i mean unless um, she has a role like michelle pfeiffer with the ant-man series where you know, yeah she- She's there for a few yeah. movies and then we kind of put it to the side. It could be that too. Or like yeah. Angelica Jolie with the, uh, with the Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be a, a, a thing. So just have them come in every now and then and be a, a support for whichever character they're there to, there to support. So I can, I could I could potentially see that uh, again I think it also comes down to her what origins you know what they decided to do with her origin story because if she's of the dark dimension I don't think they would necessarily want someone from the dark dimension to become sorcerer supreme there's one thing when the ancient one was just drawing power from the dark dimension it would be another to have a being who's actually from the dark dimension (laughs) Resources free. So, so w- were you happy with this mid-credit scene? Or did you want more? I mean, uh, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I, th- 
think it's I think it's good. Mm. You know, it's um, you know, the the whole incursion thing. Um the speculation in the the fan base is that um with the introduction of the illuminati or at least a version of the illuminati (laughs) those that are still alive um it may be illuminati from other worlds uh, and obviously getting new you know our new young avengers um getting them introduced getting them trained up uh getting them set um and this whole idea of incursions is um we will have uh, we don't know a whole lot yet because obviously marvel wants to keep things some things close to the best um but uh the prevailing thoughts are we will get some sort of time timeline universe hopping all of this slash loki so like kang with, might be the next big bad with kang mm. no Okay. Um, not necessarily, at least not right, not right away, possibly, because Kang is going to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, right? Which is due out next year, which has actually just changed dates again. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's why I write everything in pencil, people. Um, and um, I guess so. Yeah, so with Kang, we're going to be dealing with time to a point. Uh, because while he's powerful, he, yeah, he's up there, but there's still some others that are out there that are more powerful. But he could... He'll, he'll be the protagonist in the next Ant-Man movie whether that version of Kang gets defeated and we just get another version that pops up again, you know, it's kind of like a Dalek, you know, you, right. you destroy one and there's, there's another one right behind it. Um, or if that Kang just does it, you know, we think he gets defeated, but you know, end of movie surprise turns out he's not, um, I guess we'll to be determined, but the next like, big like avengers level movie is probably going to be secret wars yeah using the time runs out storyline from the comics where multiple universes kind of converge into in the comics it's it's supposed to be earth but Nick Fury is like, hell no, you're not coming to Earth and destroying everything. So they set up like a fake Earth in front of actual Earth to disguise it. And everyone converges on this. So we could get variants of the same character in this big battle against could be Kang. It could be multiple Kangs at that point. Um, 
you know, because at the end of Loki, he was like, no, there's multiples of me coming. So it could be a king and Ant-Man and then multiple kings and Secret Wars, maybe. And we kind of have to do like a, you know, kind of crisis on infinite earth type thing. That's about the only smart thing DC has done ish um, where we get like, you know, both our Captain Marvel and maybe the A3A Captain Marvel. She survives and, you know, our version of Motor and that version of Motor and, you know, our version of the Fantastic Four and, you know, from other universes converge together to keep this kind of ultimate incursion from occurring. Because right now it's like two universes collapsing in on each other where they can destroy one or the other both but it sounds like if that was to happen that's terrible but it doesn't affect other universes but by the time we get to time runs out level it's multiple incursions and therefore potentially affecting every universe so we could get a whole bunch of characters and even ones that we thought were dead come back <laughs> because they're from a different universe. So, well, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the possibility is definitely endless. And I wonder whether at some point they might just have to branch out and kind of do space stuff and earth stuff, because at the same time we have the Eternals doing their thing with Arishem at this point, And, you know, some mm-hmm. are with Arishem, some aren't. And then, of course, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy around. So I wonder whether all this, is good, like you were pointing out, might all converge into one big thing. Or like in the co- like the comics, they kind of tend to separate almost do like a, the space Marvel universe and the more Earthbound stuff because it could get really huge. So, um, I mean, there's so much in play still before we even get, like you were saying, that convergence b- between all these new characters we've been introduced to. So... It's going to be, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, it's, it's a great time to be alive and a great time to have the, be able to enjoy all this stuff. So I'm very, very excited for mm. what comes next. And we have Thor, Love and Thunder coming up in about in a month, I believe. So uh, we have that to look forward two to. Two months. Oh, yes, two months. That's right, July, July, that's right. So, yep. um, yeah, we'll have to guess, we'll see what the next piece of the puzzle will be. So let's get to ratings then. What do you give Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness out of 10? Oh my goodness. Um well I'm still writing the high. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, because I've seen it twice in the last three and a half days. Thereabouts. <laughs> um so oh my goodness. Uh Right now, my gut wants to give it a 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, realistically, this is still really, really high up there. Um, So right now, 10, once I come off the high a little bit, maybe probably closer to a 9.5. So just kind of depends on my mood. So fluctuating. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, uh, yeah. It's so good. It's so, so, I mean, it's definitely, it's not one you can just jump in on. Nope. Um, You know, I've seen people asking, they're like, what do I need to, you know, because I had, there's people out there that have not watched everything. (laughs) Um, 
you know, even Chauncey, I was glad I got to see it before he got to see it because he's not watched What If yet. So uh, he definitely needs to watch What If. Thankfully, he's watched WandaVision, so he's good there. But watching What If would be really good idea, too. And he and I was like, you're just going to have to watch all of it because if I tell you which episodes specifically to watch, that'll just give you an indication of what the, what's going to be happening. So just watch the entire thing. Uh so you definitely need to have watched WandaVision at the very least, preferably along with What If and the first Doctor Strange, which why would you go see the second Doctor Strange movie without seeing the first ones beyond me? But, you know, people will do things. Um, so. Um, but uh but it's it's so well done it's so so i i mean it's gruesome in spots so the thing is it's like it's not overly like grotesque i know it's kind of it's kind of hard to describe because it's like yeah there's some blood and you know, the, the giant octopus does have his eyeball pulled out, which everyone in the audience was like, I could hear people around me going, <laughs> in the theater, yeah. when the eyeball got pulled out. So I was like, there's some bits where, you know, it's PG-13, but you may also want to err on just how affected your children can get from like haunted houses probably um <laughs> might be a good, how well do they do at halloween there you go if they're fine at halloween they're probably gonna be fine with this going around you know trick-or-treating with potentially scary costumes and maybe you know if they're like you can do like some haunted houses that aren't necessarily intended for children then they're probably gonna be fine with this but if your kid's a little skittish even if they are like 12 13 eh, it may not may not be for them <laughs> uh but you know i i still think it's got some rewatchability i i still think this is one that you know once once we get it on on home media that this is this is one i could go to just for the sheer just visual like feast that it is that's one of the things i love about the doctor strange movies in the first place is they're just they're so visually stunning because they really when it comes to magic and you know the different things that the sorcerers could do things like the mirror dimension and all this crazy, you know, crazy stuff. It's like pretty much anything goes. I mean, when Stephen and America are like, you know, hurtling through all these different, <laughs> different universes, and like even Stephen is like, was there one where we were made of paint? You know, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I love that. Really, just anything goes with these with the, this particular franchise because of the sheer anything of it. Uh, yeah, with because you can just be like because magic, you know. It's kind of like with Harry Potter, you know, 
there there were you know as much as uh our episode where we talk about secrets of dumbledore you know we had issues with some things that weren't explained mm-hmm. um but that had to do more with like the mythology and the lore than other things but other things were like just because magic because magic is a thing and with magic you can do all sorts of crazy things that don't make sense so yeah, good point and I'm, I'm i'm actually right there with you i uh, i guess like you said it could be also recency bias on my part too but uh, i really really enjoyed this myself so i'm, I'm also going to give it i'm going to give it a nine out of ten because i really enjoyed it as soon as it comes out you know obviously be watching it like crazy on disney plus i'll definitely be pick, picking up the blu-ray then we'll be re-watching the heck out of this because i really really loved it and uh, being a big sam raimi fan from way back during the evil dead days I'm so glad that he's able to do go back to his roots with a bigger budget that he used to have from those movies and actually bring his vision, you know, to, to fruition when it comes to a film like this. And so it's, it's great to see that he's still part of the directing game and can do this stuff. And I hope he will get to do more MCU films within this realm because he, he definitely brought, brought a different flavor to it. And that's another thing that's great about the MCU. Some of the, a lot of the MCU films is they all have different flavors according to who's directing. So um, I, I really, really love this. So it's a nine out of 10 for me. So Rachel, did you have anything that you wanted to recommend, you know, which might be peripheral to this or, or such that you think folks should check out if they did in fact enjoy this film? Oh, it's... I mean, I don't know about the uh, the comics because, you know, as I've mentioned several times, sure. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily read the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that being said, uh, the, the the time runs out story um, is fairly-ish new i think it's from the um not even 10 years ago uh so uh you could easily find it i'm i'm sure um but that might yeah assuming that the uh people who know the comics better than i do are right and they're guessing of where this is going (laughs) it might be a good run to read so uh but other than that stick with it stick with the disney plus stuff because i mean they're doing a fantastic job about making sure that it all it all fits together and and the the shows just keep getting better and better and i'm really looking forward to seeing what you will have to say when it comes to moon knight which uh, we obviously we recently reviewed and uh, and that was just another fabulous trip as well i would actually add if you want to see something maybe a little bit more grisly or sam raimi do it going full-blown horror either watch the very first evil dead or if not army of darkness i definitely suggest you check out which is a mixture of horror and fantasy and it's it's still within the evil dead universe and you don't have to have seen all three evil dead movies to watch actually army of darkness and it's got a little bit of comedy of course starring bruce campbell zombies galore and uh, evil books so uh, i would definitely suggest those two i'd suggest uh, the first evil dead and army of darkness and we actually have some um, fan mail today from uh, our mutual friend Charles Skaggs who uh, wanted to be on this on this episode but unfortunately because of Mother's Day he wanted to, of course spend time with his mom and we totally totally respect that so Charles actually writes in hello Nick and Rachel 
Hey, Charles. Sam Raimi is back, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is all the better for it. Right from the start, Raimi throws the audience into a frenetic roller coaster of a story, introducing America Chavez to the MCU, along with a version of deep dive Marvel Comics demon Shuma Gorath, which you were actually referring to earlier, Rachel, before his thrill ride throughout the multiverse. I'm certain a number of MCU fans who are only familiar with Raimi from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films were surprised to see the director embrace his evil dead horror roots once again here, but I absolutely loved it. At long last, we get an MCU film willing to become something more than a formulaic superhero mega franchise. Good point. That's not to say, however, that Kevin Feige's grand ineffable plan isn't at play with a direct sequel to the WandaVision TV series, the introduction of expendable versions of Mr. Fantastic and Professor X in the MCU, the potential hint of Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars event with the concept of incursions, and the post-credits tease of Charlize Theron's Claire from The Dark Dimension. Unlike recent films like Shang-Chi and Black Widow, this film is for the advanced class of MCU fans, demanding a mastery of the law that some casual fans may find too intimidating, like you also pointing out, Rachel. For the rest of us, though, this is pure MCU continuity goodness, and I love that Raimi has now made his mark on both of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko's greatest creations, because, of course, uh, Steve Ditko also created Doctor Strange, so uh, he's come full circle there. There's more to say, of course, but I'm sadly not there to ramble on about it. And I'm sure you need to wrap things up after what was undoubtedly an excellent discussion. Keep finding happiness in darkness, Charles Skaggs. Thank you very much for that, Charles. That was a great, uh, great uh, email indeed. So, of course, that was our movie, folks. And the dear listeners, if you want to be like Charles and share your thoughts on the movies we discuss here, or you'd like to take the plunge like Rachel and join us here on the show, you can do so by shooting us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you find us as Happiness and Darkness, or follow us on Twitter, where you can find us as High Darkness Pod. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, appealing generous, check out the great tiers we have going on Patreon, where you'll be able to pick films that go outside of what are considered regular superhero movies, or even films inspired by comics, like Road to Perdition, or I Kill Giants, or Death Note, or even films which inspired comics, like the Aliens franchise, Robocop, Terminator, and more. Check all that out, head on over to patreon.com slash happiness in darkness. A big thank you to our wonderful patrons for their support. So Rachel, when you're not here discussing superhero movies, where can folks find you? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. You can find me every other week in the Gold Standard Theater with Nick and Zant Sprouse, where we are actively watching and reviewing every single Academy Award winner for Best Picture in chronological order. Um, so those come out uh, every other Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can just look for happiness and darkness. Uh, pretty much wherever you get podcasts and uh gold standard and all the other things that nick is going to mention um <laughs> just hit subscribe on to everything um although if you're already here listening to this um go hit subscribe on everything else um and then <laughs> um and then uh almost pretty much every week you can find me with the five-ish fangirls podcast where we talk about all number of things geeky and nerdy from the female perspective and uh, again you can find 
that wherever you pretty much find podcasts, just look for the Five Ish Fangirls podcast, or you can go to the fiveishfangirls.com, our brand spanking shiny recently updated website, where you can, now that I've added those features, connect with all of our social media accounts and all of our personal ones as well. Awesome. And I have to say, I congratulated uh, Holly when, when I got to talk to her recently. And I also want to congratulate you, of course, for the wonderful new logo. I really, really like it. And I love the new look of the website. So definitely congrats on that. It uh, looks uh, very nice. You're very welcome. And of course, folks, when it comes to me, for you country music lovers, I do host the radio show Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play today's country, traditional country, and everything else in between. <clears throat> for more info about that and where to tune in, visit our website. That's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Uh, Podcast-wise, uh, if superhero TV shows are your speed, uh, Charles, with the aforementioned Charles Skaggs and I can be found on the Fandom Zone, where we recently wrapped up our review of Moon Knight, the first season of Moon Knight. Hopefully not the end of Moon Knight. We'll hopefully get another one. Had a great time doing that. And uh, in June, we will be actually reviewing uh, Miss Marvel. And of course, uh, Charles and I can also be found on Titan Talk, the Titans podcast, where we wrapped up the third seasons of Titans and Doom Patrol. And of course, the aforementioned Gold Standard, of course. And speaking of things to come on this show, next time we'll be taking on the 94 Steve Wang film, Guyver, Dark Hero. That said, Rachel, thank you again so much for joining me today. It was a blast having you on. It was a great, great time. I definitely had fun with it. And of course, anytime you want to come back to discuss either MCU movies or others, you're definitely welcome back anytime. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot more coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely keep the door open for you then. I'm excited. <laughs> you and me both. Well, folks, thanks as always for this show and supporting us. We will see you next time with Guyver Dark Hero. Until then, stay super. Ciao. Bye. Bye.